0: This is a presentation of Paterson Media. (laughs) Amplify Canada is an initiative created by Paterson Media, designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our economy, Thousands of small businesses, groups, family organizations, and individuals are showcased on Pattison Media radio stations from Winnipeg to Vancouver throughout the year. Every month, we go deeper and share the incredible journey of a few that have made an impact on their community. Some have flourished. Others may need a little extra love and support. These are their stories. Welcome to Amplify Canada. On this show...
1: My plan was to become an airline pilot. And then I get into the airplane two weeks in and I realize that I'm deathly afraid of heights.
0: Winnipeg restaurant entrepreneur Bobby Matola shares his story of change that led him to his ultimate success in the restaurant industry.
2: My job was being paid to party. It sounds really cool. Like, oh, wow, a DJ. Like, that's so cool. Yes. It is until it's not.
0: Former DJ turned author Jessica Jabot is now helping other Canadian businesses thrive.
3: My parents always taught me, don't give up, because if you give up, you lose everything, right? You lose your hope and, well, what am I doing this for?
0: Rosa Matice immigrated to Canada from Chile and now owns the KG Bar & Grill. Hi there, I'm Linda Freeman, your host for Amplify Canada. We all can have times of struggle, self-doubt, failure and setbacks. Over the last two years, we've had loved ones die, entire industries shut down, jobs disappear. A worldwide picture of loss and sadness, loneliness and despair has been painted. But simultaneously, we are hearing stories of determination and optimism. Finding the light at the end of the tunnel can change our trajectory. This country is built on small businesses. Let's listen to the stories of perseverance and hope. We start in small town Saskatchewan, home to Chilean refugee Rosa, owner and operator of KG Bar and Grill. Birch Hills has a population of just over 1,000, located southeast of Prince Albert and the reserve of Muscadet First Nation. So Rosa, how did your family end up here?
3: We came here in 1977 from Chile with my parents and my siblings. They had choices where to go. and My dad picked Canada and we're so grateful. I would never live anywhere else because I love it here. It's cool, <laughs> but I love it. Made a lot of friends, have a lot of family here now.
0: When General Augusto Pinochet seized power in 1973, it was quick and brutal.
3: We had to leave. We were refugees because of what happened in Chile in 1973, the coup. It was hard at first. My parents both worked in two jobs when we first came. My dad, after a month or so, was able to get a home like a house that he could buy. Everybody was happy. I'm grateful for being here. Every year comes up, I always put something on Facebook, saying thank you to Canada, thank you to my parents for bringing us here, because we do have a better life.
0: Before we get to your business and how you have persevered, tell us about how you supported your community by providing hope for those most vulnerable.
3: I started fostering for my sister-in-law. She had a foster home. And it was supposed to be only for one summer. I ended up doing it for four and a half years. I loved it, but then I decided to do it at my own home. We looked after 1,500 children coming to my home in 10 years. Little ones, I looked after zero to five years old. They used to call me mom or mommy. I loved every minute of it. But then we decided to move to this little town. And I said, well, I want to keep Shayna, you know, because she was a long-term. And they said, yeah. Shayna. she came to my foster home at two months old. And it took six years to adopt her. Her adoption came true. And then my son, I used to look after his siblings. His mom got pregnant and asked me if I can adopt him. He's 14 years old now. We brought him home when he was three days old. He's special neat. he needs a lot of help, but he's a sweetheart. He's a big boy. He still has my husband almost. my husband is six, two and a half. <laughs> and our daughter, Shana, she's 22 now. And she has two little ones. <laughs> 1,500
0: children, two of which you adopted. You have shown such kindness over the years. But then you kind of switch gears. How did you end up owning a bar?
3: I was working for uh, the previous owner of Rosiski Bar, which used to be called King George Hotel. And then when the pandemic happened, we had to close down. And then when it was time for us to open up again, he offered me the business. And of course, I said yes. We opened up July 6, over a year ago. That's when everything was slow. But we kept going. And I love working there, I love meeting people. I say that is my place to relax. <laughs> people are coming back, they love the way it looks, they love my cooking, and I get to meet new people. I had a Chilean team in, in the bar where I made all the Chilean meals. It went great, everybody loved it. I like to make them comfortable. I never ever thought that I would buy a bar. <laughs> never. I always said I would never work in a bar. <laughs> Here I am. And uh, we're doing really good.
0: And such a change in lifestyle. Like running a restaurant that you bought during COVID, it's kind of crazy. How have you been able to keep going when the going gets tough?
3: You know, everything is going to get better. We just got to go along with, follow whatever we have to follow, go along with what we need to do. It's always going to get better. And it's always people to help. Try helping somebody or ask somebody for help. Where was somebody there to help you? Just keep trying and don't give up. Keep motivated doing something for somebody else. Whoever needs help, keep it forward or whatever you say, you know. Just keep strong and try not to dwell on the bad stuff because that's the only thing we can do. My parents always taught me that you got to keep going along. Don't give up because if you give up, you lose everything, right? You lose your hope and, well, what am I doing this for? I don't work that way, I gotta keep going and I know sometimes it's a little bit tiring when you're always working, 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 but if you love your job, it's okay, don't give up.
0: Don't give up is the definition of perseverance. And that is what Vancouver entrepreneur and Canadian small businesswoman Jessica Jabot teaches others. She went from DJing all over the world to crashing into depression. She's written a book, Save Your Own Damn Life, a do it yourself self-help book. Now a life coach and speaker, she helps other people change their lives. Jessica, let's go back to when you first began to struggle.
2: I was about 29 at this time. And I was really disappointed in my life. And to be honest with you, I had to come to terms with actually being depressed, which was really hard because I'd look around and be like, I have all the things that most people want. I'm living in LA, I'm this DJ, like very successful, traveling all over the world, doing what I supposedly love, quotation marks. (laughs) but I was so lonely. My hobbies were drinking and hanging out with people who just like to talk about other people. It was just a very toxic environment.
0: And I think so many people find themselves in that spot where on paper, everything looks good, but it's not fulfilling inside. And and that's where people then begin to really struggle and can take a, a deep dive. It is the worst feeling ever,
2: you know, and that happens when your mind and your body and your heart aren't aligned. And so that's what I was doing to myself. I was drinking a lot. I was using drugs to kind of cope with and try and convince myself to fall in love with my life. That's
0: an amazing statement right there. <laughs> try to convince yourself to fall in love with your life. Yeah.
2: Because it looks like this is the life that everyone would love to have, right? And so I'm like, what is wrong with me that I don't see this or i'm not grateful for this and it's not necessarily about gratitude or being grateful for it i just didn't align with it and that's what i had to come to terms with and unfortunately i used very unhealthy coping mechanisms to deal with that and happiness and depression and misalignment let's call it
0: which so many people fall victim to how did you change your mentality
2: It was literally looking at my life with a clear lens and being like, how can I actually like myself? How can I like what I'm doing? What am I passionate about? What do I even like? We get so caught up in the day-to-day stuff of like all the stuff we should be doing or could be doing that doesn't necessarily bring us any joy. Okay, if this is all my doing and this is all my responsibility, then it's also my responsibility to change it, right? How can we pivot? How can we create a life for ourselves that we don't need to escape from, that we don't need to numb out from, that we don't need drugs and alcohol to be a happy person or a fake happy person? And so that's when I really took a fine-tooth comb and went through my life. And it wasn't anything like revolutionary or like I got struck by lightning. It was just kind of coming to terms, this reality check with myself.
0: Later, Jessica will share how, no matter what your circumstance, with optimism and determination, you can persevere. We head to Winnipeg, Manitoba, one of the top 10 largest cities in Canada, and home to mega food entrepreneur, Bobby Matola. The space is called True North Square, a living entity between working, living, socializing, and gathering, all in one central location and it is where grocer and multi-restaurant owner Bobby Matola found his success in an unexpected way. You see Bobby once had a pretty big dream. He wanted to be a pilot.
1: And I had this vision of myself walking with the hat and the jacket with the epaulettes, and then walking through some you know beautiful airport in Germany or Hong Kong and I took out a bunch of student loan cash that my dad gracefully and kindly co-signed for me. And then I get into the airplane two weeks in and I realize that I'm deathly afraid of heights. And I remember driving to St. Andrews Airport in my Honda Civic. I felt like I'd let my dad down. I felt like I had yet again sort of started something and didn't really understand what it took to follow through on it. And I remember driving to the airport and I was uh, in tears. And then I would go up in this plane and I would feel so queasy. I wouldn't like it and I'd come home and I'd drive as slow as I possibly could to get home. And one day I was walking down Corden Avenue in Winnipeg, which is Little Italy, and there was a bar for sale it and it was called Dirty Laundry. So I bought Dirty Laundry with my student loan money. And then I came home and I talked to my dad and he was less than thrilled.
0: That was quite a change in direction and no doubt it was a shock to them. So your parents are disappointed, your dream of becoming a pilot is now gone, and you own a bar, with money that your parents gave you for pilot school, then what?
1: A little backstory maybe is probably important. So we opened up our first restaurant about 13 years ago. It's called Pizzeria Gusto, and it's basically a really simple wood-fired pizza place with Italian wine list. And then about five years later, we opened up our second project, which is called the Merchant Kitchen, and that's a restaurant downtown and. And then about four years ago, we started working on Hargrave Street Market. I think it's about 7,000 square feet. We opened three months upstairs and then COVID came. And then we thought that because we were shut down in the restaurants that maybe we should accelerate the grocery model because it allowed us to be able to do delivered food, cold meals, hot prepared meals, those types of things, in different packages and whatnot, and deliver it to our consumer. So that's what we chose to do.
0: So listening to you, Bobby, Hargrave Street Market is pretty innovative, having various eateries brought together with top chefs, innovative menus, fresh ingredients, all together in one space. And then you decide during COVID to open Matola Grocery on the main floor. Now, can you paint us a picture of that space?
1: When you walk in, it's got a 25-foot ceiling, lots of windows. We got a floral department right at the front of the door. We got a Piaggio Ape, which is one of my favorite automobiles of all time. Those Italian delivery carts painted bright orange. We've got an old train station sign that you would, you know, evoke some sort of emotional attachment when you're sitting on a platform in Rome. It's got the tick, 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 tick. So we have those that are announcing all of our features, our specials, some insight into our restaurants. We have a 24-hour kitchen, so our baking team comes in at 3 o'clock in the morning and does all the fresh bread, fresh pastas. We also use a lot of that and populate our restaurants with that as well. So there is that vertical integration, which has been very helpful, especially through the pandemic, to be able to rely on basically four addresses as opposed to just one to continue to serve our community and get into shaking hands with as many people as we can.
0: You really have developed this amazing community feel. What inspired you?
1: I remember walking into my grandmother's house all the time and on Sunday dinners and you know the sauce, the smell, the feel, the big smile, the big hug, it was sort of a safe place all of the time with Sunday dinners and it was always something that allowed you to you know sort of finish off your week and at the same time get the love and fuel and energy and understanding of what was to come And so it's something that's always been near and dear. Being Italian, food is a big part of what we do. My grandmother was really cute. She was quite tiny. She was about five foot three. The last ingredient of everything that she'd make, she would turn her back. So you would never really know what was in the sauce, what was in the breading, how she fried the veal. When she passed away, which was three years ago, I actually finally got to figure out what all the recipes were because she had them all written out with little notes on what to do at certain times. And my mom, she is all love. She's the kind of person that'll get on an airplane and by the time it lands, she'll know everybody's name, where their kids went to school. And that's what we feel genuinely, what our restaurants should be and what we want them to be. We want them to be a place where people can come in and have confidence in the quality of service and the openness and being accepted for who they are and what they are and why they're there.
0: Bobby, your life changed so much from the time you were inspired to be a pilot, to making a huge life decision when you bought that first bar, not knowing a thing about the business, and then through perseverance, you've created this empire.
1: I think we still run it like a family business, so we started Pizzeria Gusto. I think we had 17 employees, 1800 square feet approximately. We now have almost 200 employees and 22,000 square feet. It's a big operation. But we still run it the same way. Relationships are by far and away the most important part of what we do. A lot of restaurants have great food. A lot of restaurants have great rooms and whatnot. But it really is the genuineness of the people that we have on our teams of wanting to be a part of the community and wanting to know people's names, wanting to share bits of their life with. And I think that for us has been truthfully, our reason that we have been so successful.
0: Well, perseverance pays off. How does it feel for you coming through what seems like some tough early life challenges, and then having built what you've built, and now going through this crazy time with the pandemic?
1: It feels amazing. It's also really surprising sometimes that I get to sit here and have this conversation with you. Certainly 15 years ago, this would not have been on the radar. I'm married, i got two young children, which also wasn't on the radar. And I think that early on, the stages of those things that I've gone through from an early age, it it did teach you to be relatable. It did teach you to have a skill set that maybe I couldn't have learned in school, potentially. It did allow me to become very, very humble, which I think when you say you become very humble, typically is not from someone that's humble. But it, it allows us to continue to be of service and to be of value. I know for sure that I wouldn't want to do anything else.
0: I think the humility is the thing that's so beautiful. On top of that, the hope you kept while you were dealing with so much.
1: It was a really, really difficult two years for everyone. My mom was sick early on, and all she wants to do is see her grandkids and you can't see your grandkids and you're having Zoom meetings with kids in front of them trying to get them to talk to grandma and grandpa and they're lifting up the phone and they're moving all around. and Invariably those conversations ends in tears. I moved out of the house for a little while to live in an apartment because we were concerned about my kids maybe getting COVID and then me getting COVID and that impacting our business or vice versa. And if you really sit with that, only that, it is hard to get out of bed at times in the morning. How do you affect change that way? How do you do the things that are innately part of you and and do it in a way that's meaningful? So I consider it a pretty significant blessing to have an outlet that we had the teams that we had and the abilities that my teams had and the opportunity and having people receive us continuing to do that allowed us to get through it both mentally and economically and all of those things.
0: Bobby, before we wrap up, one of your biggest accomplishments is the opening of Matola Grocer. And there is an amazing connection to this from actually before you were even going to be a pilot.
1: I worked at gas stations, I delivered newspapers, all of the litany of things that young people sort of did at the time. But my favorite job in that period was working at Mr. Grocer's. And I remember going down there and I had the black shirt and he had the name tag and I had the pricing gun. And I was 14. My bag would be packed, I wouldn't put my books in it when I went to school. I'd put my uniform on, put it in my bag, making sure it was pressed, because as soon as the bell rung, I was out and I was running across the street to go to Mr. Grocer's. And the people that I met there, packing people's grocery bags and taking them out to their cars, it sort of stuck with me. And I had never thought about it as a career, but looking back, it, it meant a lot. And it was also a reprieve from some of the things that I was going through personally at the time that allowed me to be a part of something that was greater than myself and being able to accomplish things that up until that point weren't necessarily going to be available if I had to do it on my own.
0: It's fantastic to have that kind of passion, something for you to look forward to. What gives you hope?
1: I can remember this guy that actually turned out to be my softball coach later on. His name was Pete Bailey and he was in grade 11. He was tall, enigmatic, he was captain of the football team. And he also worked at Mr. Grocer's and I remember having a great shift with him one particular day on the weekend and he actually gave me a nod and introduced me to some of his pals when I was at school the next day. And I remember that being like, I felt terrific. I felt part of something in that moment, you know, on the people that were like Pete Bailey or my parents or teachers or coaches or whatever those things were that kind of knew that I wasn't necessarily all right and was going through some challenges and they continue to fight and support and be there for me even when I wasn't necessarily there for myself at times. They just saw the bigger picture and it was really quite something. I'm getting all misty now. (laughs) All emotional. Mm -hmm.
0: And there it is. Whether it's support from people around us hitting rock bottom or coming to this country looking for a better life, It truly is about taking ownership. Now to bring it full circle, back to Jessica. Jessica, as a life coach, what can you say to people to find that hope, to persevere? Responsibility for yourself
2: and your actions is key, but also finding other people to resonate with that feel and think the same way. That's also really powerful. I think we do heal in community, whether like one-on-one or in group situations. That's why online and Instagram and things like these little niche communities are so popular because we truly do heal in community and just those thoughts and feelings that you're not alone. You're not the only person who thinks this way. You're not the only person who feels this way. And so that's really powerful.
0: Yeah, it gives you a place to belong and also some validation that you're not alone in all of this, that there's others going through the same thing. And I think we're really seeing that now with what's happened with COVID, pretty much shutting down businesses, that that's how they've survived. And now all of a sudden they can't. Talk about that perseverance, that ability to be in a situation like what so many have been in over the last 18, 20 months and just being able to stick with things and come out the other side.
2: Yeah, like sticking through to what you really need what you need and, and what you want and especially in difficult times you can be pulled in different situations in different ways but essentially you know you have to do what is right for you and that's not a selfish thing whenever i say that people are like oh well, well, well what about this or i have kids or da, da, da. i'm like yeah of course but do you know how much better of a parent you're gonna be if you are truly happy so it's really not a selfish act to really focus on yourself. It's actually so beneficial for society, for your community, for the ecosystem you are around. It serves everyone for you and our communities to be
0: happy and healthy. Ain't that the truth? <clears throat> oh, nothing more Canadian than the sounds of skates and the smell of a hockey bag. each episode we showcase a local musician. Although hockey was Jojo Mason's initial dream, being a musician is where he landed. Jojo's story of perseverance, hope, and maybe a little bit of luck ties in beautifully to our conversation. From a dream of playing professional hockey to a life that could have taken a deep spiral down.
4: I grew up playing hockey and I loved what I did. There's not many places in somebody's life where everything just makes perfect sense and all the bs just goes away for me that place is that the hockey rink that place is on the ice that place is where i feel the most at home so of course the way the life goes injuries happen <laughs> i injured my back and that was the end of it when i lost hockey right I herniated the disc in my back Uh, I wasn't the the most proud of myself and the choices that I was making. The way that I dealt with my injury was alcohol, cigarette, and marijuana, and I was not kind to myself. That was a tough time for me. I was living with my brother. I was living in Victoria at the time, and my brother called my mom. My mama jumped on a ferry, rolled all the way to Victoria, all of a sudden. (laughs) doors fly open and, and my mom comes through all five foot two of her grabs me by the ear and says let's go so i ended up that day packing up the majority of my stuff and going to vancouver to live with her and my dad and it was a time in my life where i was ready to accept help
0: so you get sober and begin to look for a new path and even though you're not a singer, you saw an opportunity and just went for it. I'd say that shows perseverance, maybe mixed with a bit of
4: luck. I met this guy at a Christmas party, and it turns out he was a producer, and the team he was working with was looking for a male artist to develop. And he looks at me and he says, man, it's too bad you're not a singer. And I looked at him and I said, well, I could try, <laughs> He looked at me and said, can you even sing? I said, well, I sing in the car, I sing in the shower, but I could try. And he says, all right, here's my card. If you got the stones to call me, <laughs> having never been in a studio before, I'll give you an hour of my time. So fast forward the next day, I showed up at the house, I went around into a studio booth, he set me up with the microphone and the headphones and... There's no window from the vocal booth and the control room. So we can't see each other, we can just hear each other. And he pressed play on the track and started recording. He says that as soon as I opened my mouth, he was doing cartwheels in the other room. He was like, oh
5: my God,
4: we got something. So that's kind of how it all started. Once it was my turn to release a song, the first one went top 10, the second one went top 10, the third one went top 10, and so did the fourth. So we had four. Top 10s back to back to back to back. And we were an independent artist. It was wild.
0: That is a crazy story. Music gave you a second chance, an opportunity to overcome losing what you thought would be your dream of playing hockey. And through perseverance and hope, you have uncovered a hidden talent. Jojo, earlier, our life coach, Jessica, talked about using social media to connect with community. And that's exactly what you've done to help spread hope you started to connect with fellow artists and other people for a series called Mental Health Mondays
4: i leaned heavily on a lot of people but also let them know that they could lean on me too right like if we're going through it shoot let's go through it together and and that was part of the reason i started the mental health mondays was because i needed a place to vent i needed a place to you know spew my truths and talk about how i'm feeling i've been cruel to myself There's nobody that can beat me up worse than I can beat me up. And so I'm talking to my counselor. She looked at me and she said one day, she said, Jojo, I can't stop you from treating you the way that you treat you, But I hope that you start to recognize when you do start to beat yourself up, get a smaller stick.
0: I hope you've gotten yourself a smaller stick. You have had so much to be proud of. In your six years since breaking into the Canadian country music scene, you've had quite the success with several top 10 tracks. So congratulations, Jojo. Broken Umbrella is your latest single. Can you give me a favorite line or two?
4: One of my favorite lines is, when your skies are all gray, I'm going to bring you some cover." The thought in my mind was, if I'm walking down the street and it starts pouring rain, I'm gonna get soaked. But if somebody got my back, they got my umbrella and I, you know, like I said, I get to be there for people and that's cool. That's cool for me. I like that.
0: (laughs) From immigrating to small town Canada, to hitting bottom, to finding a new path. Thank you, Rosa, Jessica, Bobby and Jojo for your stories of perseverance and hope. Thank you for showing us how we can all make changes, how we can find that light. And thank you to all the people in our communities who nominated them for Amplify Canada.
5: Life ain't always money in the bank Yeah, sometimes you end up with an empty tank It ain't all high, high cotton Smooth, smooth sailing So when those seas are rocking And it's pouring rain in, Just know that If your glasses have half empty Gonna fill up your cup If you're running low on oh, luck I'll be your painting heads up When your skies are all gray I'm gonna bring you some color You've got a broken umbrella Well baby, I've got you covered Mmm, baby, I've got you covered So whenever you're having one of those days in the world ain't all the same.
0: That was Broken Umbrella from Jojo Mason. You can find him at jojomasonmusic.com and on YouTube and Spotify. You've been listening to Amplify Canada, an initiative created by Patterson Media, designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our communities. For more information on this program, go to pattersonmedia.com.
4: This is a presentation of Patterson Media.